Amen. How many of you say the cross made a difference for me? Amen. Thank you for that good song. It's an old song. Let's take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We'll continue our study in the series. I think this is part number 9. <laughs> I think I said part 8. So anyway, uh, this I think this ninth message in this series. And uh, I'll just change that right now in my note so I won't forget that. But anyway... Uh, thank you for coming tonight, and we're eking our way back up and uh, asking the Lord to show us about the bus ministry. We had a brief meeting on that last Wednesday night, and um, asking the Lord to show us, you know, when, when things will be stable enough to put chairs back in and make a little more room and all of that. But thank you for your patience and your prayers more than you'll ever know. I appreciate your prayers uh, about all of this, asking God just to show us, give us wisdom to know what to do, when to do it. And uh, I will remind you still, let's stay safe and um, wash your hands and all those things and just do our best to stay safe. Sure good to see Brother Bishop tonight and uh, what a wonderful ministry they have over there at Triple S Ranch. And God is a good ministry. God is so good kids. There's just a lot going on. And it's been a tough year on them there, but they still have folks safe, still had camp. And uh, Brother Bishop, as well as many others, have been you know, without really meetings for quite some time. And uh, then we're thankful that things are starting to pick up there. And what a powerful preacher he is. We're thankful for him. Uh, let's stand together, please, reading God's Word. We'll pick up reading verse number 17. I'm trying not to cover every verse, but we'll probably mention most of these. And um, uh, I will tell you this. Uh, at the end of the service, I want to ask you, uh, at, the, at the altar call, of course, we'll have an altar call for the message, but I want you to consider coming and praying one more time for our nation, Okay. Several of you did that this morning, and you can pray in your seat because everybody can't get up here, but if you'll come and find yourself a place, let's pray for America one more time. Let's pray for our election. Uh, you say, preacher, there's just, just uh, some people I'm not able to vote for. Uh, you can vote for the unborn. You can vote for religious freedom. There's a lot of things you can vote for. Vote for marriage and... Um, I wish that you could see from the, my perspective how things are lining up, and I think many can. Many of you commented on this morning, and I'm thankful for that. Look at verse number 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. I remind you here that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So these guys kept things stirred up. And they were filled with indignation, laid their hands on the apostles and put them in a common prison. The angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. When they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came and they were with him, they and they that were with him and called the council together. This is another place. All the Senate of the children of Israel, they had this big symposium of the Sanhedrin and everybody, and sent to the prison to have them brought. So their idea was to bring these apostles in front of this court. When the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly found we shut with all safety, the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. When the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. In other words, they were uncertain how this all happened, and they could tell something was brewing, 
And they didn't want this to get out of the box that those men escaped. And possibly, although we know by reading the scriptures, a notable miracle again took place. I'll draw your attention to verse number 20, and let's read that out loud together in unison. Verse 20, ready? Go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. I'm going to speak on that subject for just a while tonight. God's book of revival, go, stand, and speak. Father, bless now, please, your word. Challenge us, Lord, with the truth herein. I pray that everybody would just take to, to heart what was going on in this church, in the book of Acts, and how we need to see this in our church and churches across this land. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. To this point in our study, uh, 3,000 people have been saved on the day of Pentecost. Just a few days later, we read about a lame man is healed near the temple. And uh, Peter preached, and 5,000 men were saved there. Last week, we read where God judged Ananias and Sapphira for lions of the Holy Ghost. And as a result, fear fell upon the whole church, and multitudes were saved. Now, we didn't get into this, but look at verse number 12. Verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles, is right on the heels. Let me read verse 11. Right after uh, Ananias, or Sapphira died, Ananias dropped dead. They carried him out and buried him. It shook people up. Verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And so they didn't meet inside the temple, but they met around Solomon's porch. And church was held there, you might say, and the rest durst no man, or there was dared no man to join in himself to them, but the people magnified them. And the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. And so now we've gone from 3,000 to 5,000 men and most likely women and children as well. Some say as high as 15,000 in that meeting. Now we've come to multitudes. In other words, now we're not counting them like we would have counted them in other meetings. Uh, I think about how great crowds, how they try to estimate crowds and depends who who the estimator is, they just kind of back up and just say, there are just a whole lot of people there. And uh, I'm thankful and grateful for the result of the Word of God when it's preached. Now, this, is, this was not done in the corner. These were huge public events that drew thousands of people and also drew the anger of the temple priests. In chapter 4, verse 21, uh, we see that they had threatened the apostles but let them go for fear of the people. Now in chapter 5, these men had had enough, these hierarchy of the Jews. And so the high priest lays hands on the apostles and locks them up in the common prison, verse number 18. Again, a miracle occurs, and the angel of the Lord supernaturally opens the prison doors and releases these men without the attention of those who kept the prison. Now we read that to you. They had no clue. Kind of wonder if these are some of the fellows that guarded Epstein's prison cell. I don't know, but nevertheless. Now, of course, this is a miracle. I shouldn't have said that. But anyhow, you say, now, why did God do that? Why did God do that? Did he release them so that they could <coughs> flee to some faraway place for refuge? No. God freed these apostles for one reason and one reason only, so they could go, stand, and speak in the temple the words of this life, the wonderful, wonderful words of life. Sing it o'er and o'er again. We used to sing the song, wonderful words of life. 
Words of beauty, and it goes on to say, now, let me put it this way. They were told to go, stand, and speak. I want you to consider us. These were the apostles. What if we related that to our life and our ministry, that we also are commanded to go, stand, and speak? Let me put it this way. When you and I were bound in your tre- our trespassing sins, and before we met Christ, we are headed for a devil's hell with no way out. But how many thank God that God saved us and uh, he saved us for the purpose of to go tell other people. And God left us here for that reason. He didn't save us and take us on to heaven. He saved us so that we could be a testimony to other people. By the way, that's what the lady at the well did. That's what Zacchaeus did. That's what the blind man did. That's what the leper did and the, and the paralyzed man did. All the apostles did that. They went and gave out the good news of the gospel. I'm simply saying that it should be the solemn duty of everyone who's received the gift of eternal life to tell others the wonderful words of life. Think about this. You and I are going to heaven because of what Jesus did for us. I want you to notice three things, if you would. First of all, notice the command to go. There was a command to go. The Bible gave these apostles a command, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye should be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It was given by Jesus back in Matthew 28 and really all the gospels. And Jesus came and spake unto him, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so these apostles, disciples that became apostles knew that their mission would not stop in Jerusalem, that God had a plan for them to be scattered throughout all the world to preach the gospel. Someone has said this before, but go, the word go is in the gospel. The Bible says, look at verse 28, that that they filled Jerusalem with the doctrine of Christ. Now understand, this is a big city, metropolitan area. There were hundreds of thousands of people living in Jerusalem at that time. Now we're seeing thousands of, of those hundreds of thousands, be saved. Let's just take Murfreesboro. I have no idea how many people lived in Jerusalem. Let's say 400,000, 500,000. So we had 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost, which is a big, big day there in their town, kind of like the 4th of July. Just a few days later, 5,000 got saved, possibly 15,000. Now multitudes are being saved, and all this is done in the public's eye. Take Murfreesboro, for instance. I think it's a city of about 175,000 people. What if in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, you and I, had a, we, we were able to have a big meeting and say we had 1,000 people saved and baptized? Help me understand how quickly that would get out. Then the meeting kept going on, kept going on, kept going on, and people started coming from miles and miles around. Now I know you say, preacher, that can never happen because of coronavirus. Can you not see how that's of the devil and straight out of hell? And understand, it's the devil that puts affliction and sicknesses on people. And uh, I, I thank God we have a healing God. And some of you sitting right now, right here, if you had a microphone, you could stand up and testify how God healed you and praise God for that. But understand, that is how crippled the church is right now over this whole thing. And if a certain people get in office, it'll be more than crippled. We're headed to having the church silenced and shut down. Oh, amen. Yeah, come on. It's going on right now. You say, oh, it'll change. Yeah, I thought it would change in June. Then I thought it would change in August. 
Then I thought it would change in September. And I just a few weeks ago told our staff that probably about November, and, and we're seeing now it's, it's being carried on almost to December now. I don't know, but God knows. And I can tell you, I kind of got off course right there, but you and I need to understand what could happen in a church like ours if you and I could see revival. And we'll see revival when you and I get to go back in the gospel. And I'm the pastor. I understand that we've not been knocking on doors because of the coronavirus. And again, I remind you, can you not see how this has stifled us and paralyzed us? And by the way, we have on order right now door knockers, uh, thousands of them, so we can at least ease back in this thing so that whenever we get to a house, we can place that on the door handle, whether we knock on it or not. Because the last thing I want is us going to doors and opening doors and getting in. Somebody said, don't you know? Are you people down there crazy? Don't you know that we're in the middle of a pandemic? Ladies and gentlemen, we're not in the middle of a pandemic. But nevertheless, there, the fear is there and the sickness is real. And, and, and trust me, I had it. I, I'm not like Superman, like the president. I got sick. I, don't, I didn't get to go where he got to go, but I'm just saying it's all real and you can't ignore it. But you and I need to pray that it moves out of here as quick as it can so we can get back to doing what God has called us to do. There's a command to go. And I don't know about you, but I mentioned to go. When we had the bus meeting the other night, by the way, the, our bus ministry is frontline missions. It's, 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 it's front door missions, putting people in the church, seeing them saved and baptized. We've not been able to run our buses. <clears throat> so we had the meeting. I thought, man, I wonder if anybody's going to come. We filled it up. Just about everybody was here. The drivers were here. The captains were here. The co-captains were here. The runners were here. The teachers were here. I was so excited about that. Now, I, I, don't, I, it was, uh, I was overseeing it, and I've got a big learning curve. To cut, the halls are gone. They're down in South Carolina now, so we'll figure it all out. If everybody has patience and help the boy out, we're going to make it. I'm just saying, those folks were so excited to even just think about getting things back on the road. Ladies and gentlemen, we ought all be chomping at the bit right now. We've been shut down. We ought to be chomping at the bit. God gives us a window of opportunity to get out there and go with the gospel. Secondly, there is a command to stand. Command to stand. Verse number 25 says that sure enough, they found them standing in the temple. They didn't have to say that. Now, let me just say this. When you and I walk, we stand. So why didn't he just say, go and speak? Go and preach. He didn't say that. The angel said, go, stand, and speak. And the reason why he used the word stand there is they were already standing. You got to stand to walk. He used the word stand because those men had to take their stand to preach the gospel. Now, don't miss this. These men should have been in jail, but instead they're found standing and doing the very thing that got them locked up in the first place. Do you understand the bonus that took? Why in the world, if they were locked up, would they go do the same thing that got them locked up? Ladies and gentlemen, they said already, we must obey God rather than man. And so uh, the temple was the forum for the Jews to teach their form of work salvation and to extort money from the people who believe their lies. Uh, it was not the place for a Christ follower. That's why they were meeting at Solomon's porch. But yet they went in there and they stood and they preached the gospel in the temple. Praise God for that. Today, you and I are not forbidden to go and preach. We're not forbidden to go and preach in the name of Christ. 
But it doesn't happen as much as it should. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Christians are not standing. They're not willing to stand. And I hesitate to say this, but I'm just going to say it. Notice that they are having to take their stand in the house of God. It's a sad day when soul winners and devout people that are trying to live a separated life and do what's right has to take a stand for that in the house of God. We should all be on the same page, especially with the gospel. We don't need to drag each other down. We don't need to talk about the, the, each other and talk about our, what, what we, how we think should. Everybody should be on the same page with the gospel. Is there anybody out there right now? I, I think about, as Mr. Kramer, if you don't mind me hitting on a Christian school for just a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to surprise you and shock you, but that is a Christian school. It's not a private school. It's not a, I can't think of the name of it, uh, types of, it, it is a Christian school. Now, I hate to say this, but sometimes our kids have to take a stand for Christ in their own school. You think I'm dumb to that? Now, maybe not as much as they used to, but nevertheless, that should not be. And maybe you ought to check out your child to make sure your child's on the same page with maybe the same page that, that we're trying to take the school in. It's a sad day, but even in a youth group, by the way, I want you to know that Jordan Dow is our youth pastor. He's on a fantastic job. He has a wonderful family. But it's a sad day when a teenager has to take a stand in his own youth group. Nobody should have to do that. But we see this, these men of God going and taking their stand in the house of God. And I think it was God's design that the gospel be preached in the temple. Well, it was here, not because man wanted it. There's a command to go. There's a command to stand. I want to challenge you to stand. And number three, there's a command to speak. And by the way, I've got a long conclusion. There's a command to speak. They spoke the wonderful words of life, eternal life, the gospel. What they speak, preacher? Look at verse 29. Let me just catch you up. We got down to verse 24. Let's go to 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. When the captain with the officers, and, uh, then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence. In other words, they didn't rough them up. And here's why. For they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. Wait a minute. So these officers, these, these uh, down line officers under the high priest had enough sense they knew the common people that if they would have roughed up these apostles they would have been pulled out and stoned verse 27 when they brought when they had brought them they set them before the council and the high priest asked them saying did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in his name and behold you have filled jerusalem with your doctrine by the way that was coming from the people the leader he knew what had happened and intend to bring this man's blood upon us, that is Jesus Christ. They're saying that because they killed Christ. Here's the message. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Right there it is, the death 
burial, and resurrection. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be the, a prince, capital P, prince, and capital S, a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. There's the altar call. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. So they come, and they stand, and they speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer out loud, but I want you to consider this. Do you know how to give out the gospel? Have you memorized a scriptural plan? Are you ready on a moment's notice to give out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Everybody in this room should know how to give out the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially if you have children in your home. Everybody should know that. We should not be amateurs with that. And I want to challenge you tonight. If everything else in this message skips over your head, I want to challenge you. If you are not ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that's in you, that's what the Bible says, tonight you will not leave this place without making a commitment to a holy God that says, I will fix that right away and train yourself to do that. The command to go, the command to stand, the command to speak. And here's the game changer. The game changer in this section of Scripture is because these men did exactly what that angel said. They knew why they were released. And you know why you've been released from your sins and the bondage of that sin. And you know why you, your feet was picked up out of the miry clay and set on a solid rock and a new song was put in your mouth. And by, by the way, that's in the Psalms. That is to be a witness to other people. Are you a witness to other people? I want to challenge you tonight. These men went under circumstances. I want to give you six of them real quick. Number one, they, they, they were to go in the face of liberal indignation. Would you write that down? They were to go in the face of liberal indignation. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up, and all that they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, were filled with indignation. How strong was their indignation? <laughs> Well, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. Let me just show you how bad it could get sometimes. Let me just, we're, this is right where we're living, folks, right now. You don't know it, but it's right. Look at Acts 17. Hope I can find these. Let me show you how this indignation is played out. Now, this is played out right here with the high priest crowd. Let me show you how the crowd reacts. No control with them. Look at verse number 5 of chapter 17. We we're there this morning. So Paul is preaching here, and people are getting saved in verse 4. But the Jews which believe not, now that's this crowd right here in chapter 5. But the Jews which believe not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar, that means a riot, at that point it's a peaceful riot, and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren under the rulers of the city, crying, these have turned the world upside down, are come hither uh, also. And so I'm not going to go into all that, but there became a riot and a stir, and they assaulted his house. Uh, that's what's going on right now in America with somebody that stands for right. Is it called doxing? Is that the word? I'm not sure if that's the word or not, but they get your number, they get your address, and then they get outside your house and holler at you, and then it gets worse. Turn back to chapter 5. 
They were indignant. They were just flat out angry, mad, and going to do something about it and act on their anger. I have, I didn't bring his big, thick book, Spurgeon's book. I ran off this copy, uh, lest you think Spurgeon was a mild-mannered preacher. I want to read what he said about this passage. This is, this is the same passage, Acts 5. I want, you, I, want to read, I want you to read what he says about this right here. The second persecution of the church in which all, all the apostles were put into the common prison was mainly brought on by the sect of the Sadducees. These, as you know, and by the way, this is old English, so forgive me, so you got to take your mind back. These, as you know, were the broad school, the liberals, the advanced thinkers, the modern thought people of the day. If you want a bitter sneer, a biting sarcasm, a cruel action, I commend you to these large-minded gentlemen. They are liberal to everybody except to those who hold the truth. And for those, they have a reserve of concentrated bitterness which far excels wormwood and gall. I'm thinking right now of the Supreme Court hearings. This was mild compared to the Kavanaugh hearings. That made me sick at my stomach. But some of you may want to know that the chairman that oversaw the Clarence Thomas hearing was none other than Joe Biden. Go back and look at what Clarence Thomas said about that. They are so liberal to their brother, Arist, that they have no tolerance to spare for the evangelist. We are expressly told that the high priests and all they that were with them, which is the sect of the Sadducees, were filled with indignation. That which had been done, that which had been done, deserved their, that which had been done, deserved their admiration, but received their indignation. Now, did you get that? What had been done was a lame man healed and multitudes come to Christ. But they got mad about it. Ladies and gentlemen, don't ever let your spirit and soul get to the place where you hate seeing the success of the gospel. Such gentlemen as these can be warm at a very short notice when the doctrine of the cross is spreading and God the Holy Spirit is bearing witness with signs following. Let them display their indignation. It is according to their nature. It's according to their nature. That is not the nature of a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. So you and I are to go in the face of liberal indignation. Ever since January, my wife and I have had to rethink almost everything that we do in the ministry. And one of the reasons is because of the indignation that's out there for the work of God. The venom is scary, especially when it comes from the people of God, it's sickening. And these were considered the Sadducees, the people of God. Secondly, go in the fear of persecution. Look at verse 18. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Look at verse 33. 
When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Let me read this section right here because I want to end up reading most of this. Verse 34, then stood there up one of the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law and had a reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. This guy comes in, he's got some sense. He said, put these apostles out here where they can't hear what we're saying. And he said unto them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves. What you intend to do is touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaldus, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed, were scattered and brought to naught. In other words, this guy said he was somebody, and it didn't end up being anybody. After this, man, a man rose up named Judas, not the same Judas we know, of Galilee in the days of the taxing. And this is the time of the census, and drew away much people after him. He also perished, he died, and all, and even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, hold back, refrain, he says, from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happy ye be found even to fight against God. There seems to be a progression with these persecutors. Threaten them, silence them by beating, stone them. Threaten them, chapter 4, verse 21. Silence them by beating, chapter 5, verse 40, which, by the way, that's what they did. And, and to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They departed from the presence of the council, watch this out, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name, and daily in the temple and everywhere, every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. And so we see here this idea of persecution. You and I are to go in the face of persecution. And here's, here is, if I could summarize the progression, it would be this. Suffer them. In other words, allow them. Keep them on a short leash. Suffer them. Silence them or slay them. They slew Stephen. Later, they slew James, which most believe was the pastor of that church. We're to go in the fear of persecution. By the way, we're not being persecuted right now. Praise God. Someone say amen right there. Thirdly, go, in, go into a field of great opportunity. Verse 32 says, and we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Ghost, also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. And so what they're saying is this, look. We have been here and done that and got the T-shirt. We've already had 3,000 saved. We've had 5,000 saved. We've had multitudes saved. And they looked at those men like, did you get off the pumpkin wagon last night? You are not going to stop us from the great opportunity ahead of us. And ladies and gentlemen, they would have never filled, they never, never would have filled Jerusalem with the gospel. They never would have turned the world upside down. They would have missed the great opportunity that God had if they hadn't gone and stood and spoke. Now, I'm going to say this before I move on. I believe we're in the best days of the church. Some of you are sitting right here thinking, oh, preacher, you say that. What are you going to do if all the wind goes out of it come Wednesday? Well, Rudy Toot Toot, I, I have my plans and what I like to see and my prayers what I like to see. But you, ladies and gentlemen, you and I, come Wednesday, I'll still be called to preach. I'll still be a pastor. I'll still be a Christian and we'll still have a church. And by the way, if it don't go the way we want it to go, this church ought to be full. If it goes the way we want it to go, this church ought to be full. Yeah. 
You and I need to see revival. We're not going to have revival at the hands of the government. May God help us with that. Go into a field of great opportunity. Go in the faith of the Holy Spirit's power, verse 12 and 15 and 19 and 20 and 25. You and I uh, get our power not by men or some man, but by the Spirit of God. And then go in the force of God's protection. Verse 13, the Bible says, And the rest of us, no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. God took those men of God and magnified them and put them up. People were scared to do anything to them. Look at verse number 26. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. Look at verse 38. And now I say, and you refrain from these men, let them alone. For if this counsel be the work of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot throw it at, overthrow it. Thus happy you be found even to fight against God. God magnified these apostles in the eyes of the people and helped protect them with people. The high priest feared the people. Then God placed this man, Gamaliel, right at the right place at the right time to stop these men from being killed. Now, one by one, these men died martyrs' deaths, but not until God was done with them spreading the gospel. I'm grateful and thankful for the protection of God, and you and I need to be praying for that more and more. But then this is your last thought. Go in the comfort of God's blessing. I like this. They rejoice in verse 41. They weren't upset about any of that. Verse 42, here is the blessing, the success, and daily in the temple and every, in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I, 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 I don't think I can put into words how every person involved in this revival were affected. And they felt like it was their part to do something to get the gospel out. The apostles in the stories are featured. But those people went out of there and brought people back to the meetings. Those people went out of there and held little itinerant meetings in houses all across Jerusalem. And at this point, the gospel was literally on fire. It was stopped, folks. The apostles that had the power of God were locked up. But God said, we're not going in this like this. We're going to let you out by miracle. For this reason, this reason only. Go, stand, and speak. Let me tell you when revival will come to Franklin Road Baptist Church and to America. When we decide we're going to go. And we're going to stand with boldness and speak. One thing that would help us more than anything else in the culture we live in is that the American Christian would get some boldness one more time. But not just a boldness, obedience. We are under, and I read it tonight, a great commission.
We've enjoyed the successes of a prosperous nation and an economy like none other in the world. Nobody in this world lives like Americans live. Now it's time for us to see if we're going to do what it took to get it. That's not really what it's all about. If, we get, if God takes us to the poorhouse and we lose all of the normality of what we call the normal life, we still should go and stand and speak. Let's stand together, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for listening tonight. Our Father, we love you. We thank you for our free salvation, but Lord, the duty that comes with it, the solemn duty that comes with it. And I pray that all across this building, that which the devil has tried to limit, I pray we make commitments tonight to going again and standing and speaking the wonderful words of life. In Jesus' name I pray. With their heads bowed, their eyes closed, don't look around. Let me ask a question tonight. How many say, Preacher, God spoke to my heart tonight. I need to do a better job giving out the gospel. Put your hand up real high. I need to do a better job giving out the gospel. God bless you. Thank you tonight. Thank you. We need to do a better job. Tonight, if you're here and you're not sure that heaven's your home, you're in the best place you can be to come to the Lord. We'll have somebody standing on the end of each aisle with a Bible in their hand. They'd love to take that Bible tonight and show you how you could be a born-again Christian. Would you come? Tonight, if you've been saved, not been baptized, we want you to come. Baptized this morning. I think we have some to baptize tonight. Would you just step out and come tonight? As these are coming, I want to ask you in just a moment as we sing, let's fill up this altar and pray for our nation one more time. And as we pray for our nation, would you pray for your church? Pray for this church that God would send us revival. Folks are coming. Father, bless this invitation, we pray. And help us as Christians to make it our duty to pray for America. Pray for revival, we pray in Jesus' name. If there's someone that's lost tonight, I pray they'll come. Help them to come be saved. We ask you in the name of Christ, amen. We're singing right now. You come, would you do that? Set my soul afire, Lord, for thy If you want to pray there in your seat, pray in your seat. Pray in the altar. Come right on. There's room right here. You come right on. Let your voice be heard. Millions grope in darkness in this day. Set my 
Thank you. May be seated. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you for the book of revival that you've left us.